great future. We're talking real money. I can't believe people are still pushing this stupid concept of bank on yourself or infinite banking, which is all a bunch of marketing hooey. Really? Yeah, some people even, what what do they call them? I'm trying to remember the name. Oh my gosh. Oh, wait, I have it here. Some people call them a 702J retirement plan. (laughs) You ever heard of a 702J? Of course you haven't, because there's no such thing. A 702J, that's just the part of the tax code that deals with life insurance policies and accumulated cash value and borrowing from them in the tax code. That's all. It's under section 7702. So, you know, it's nothing. But what do they make it sound like? They make it sound like this ultimate retirement vehicle, better than any IRA or 401k, because, well, gosh, you get tax-free income. Tax-free. By golly, that's a deal. Well, what you're getting is, well, you're buying a life insurance policy. And the problem with life insurance policies is most of what you pay goes to pay for the death benefit. There's a cost to death benefits, and it can be pretty hefty, particularly if you're older. So the only part of it that earns any money is the money over and above what you're paying to pay the premium. That's the cash value portion. And they want you to overfund your whole life or universal life policy so that that money earns money. Now, the insurance companies do pay dividends on that. They do. Uh, You certainly can't call them government safe, but they're reasonably safe because they're backed by the insurance company, but that's not a government guarantee. And uh, I think I saw that um, one of the bigger ones, one of the bigger companies was paying like a 5% dividend. But remember, that dividend changes depending on how profitable the company is. It's not a guarantee. And uh, that is only paid on the cash value. You still have to pay the premium. So let's say, for example, they give you a $5,000 dividend, but next year you still have to pay $2,500 or $3,000 for the life insurance, the death insurance. So you're left with a couple of thousand bucks that adds to your cash value. Now, where they come up with this tax-free notion, you cannot take money out of an insurance policy without paying taxes. You can't do it. What you can do is borrow against your policy to pay your bills. And you pay interest on that note. Okay? You pay interest. It's in essence, paid back to you. But remember, any money you borrow doesn't earn the dividend. So you're not earning the dividend to help pay those premiums going forward. And if you get into some financial trouble down the road and you go, golly, I've I've borrowed against all the cash value of my policy and I can't afford that now $3,500 life insurance. Oh, well. I just will cancel the life insurance. I I don't need it anymore anyway. Uh Uh-oh, that's not a good idea. Because what happens if the policy is no longer in force 
then the loans taken out on that policy are taxed. And they're not taxed as lovely capital gains like they would be on a growth-oriented mutual fund. No, 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 no. They're taxed at your regular income tax bracket. And that's the way it works. They're taxed at your income tax bracket. If you keep the life insurance in force for the rest of your life and you your loans are you know reasonable, then yeah, the death benefit will pay back your loans. But eventually somebody either has to pay back those loans or you have to pay income tax on all the money you took out. Money coming out of an insurance policy is taxed as ordinary income. There's no special trick. And the reason the insurance salespeople love selling these bank-on-yourself, infinite banking 702J plans is because the commissions on them are gigantic. They pay huge commissions. And you, if you want to know, what, if somebody's trying to sell you one of these plans, just ask them what the first-year surrender fee is. They'll go, well, well you know, surrender fee, that's just because, just, uh, you know, it's a long-term investment. We want to make sure that you well, stay invested long-term. Uh, no. It's so the insurance company makes back the big, fat commission they paid to the salesperson. So find that out. And remember, there is no way to, there's just no way. I don't. And the biggest lying industry of them all is the insurance industry. They probably lie more, at least anecdotally. I wish I had data to support it. And as I always say, anecdotes aren't evidence, but I've talked to a lot of people, and I think the biggest liars out there are insurance agencies and insurance agents uh, because they'll tell you what it takes to get their commission. Their commission is more important to them than your future. And that's sad. So beware. Beware of those and equity indexed annuities with their convoluted, complex, stupid stuff. Uh, you know, like these made-up indexes to which they use what they which they use for their crediting. They're weird, weird made-up indexes. Cap rates, participation rates. It's just it's it's all a way to pull the wool over your eyes so that they can get a big fat commission. And really, the key to determining about what their commission is. It, it's almost foolproof. What is the first year surrender fee? Whatever that is, that is within a point of what they got, within one percentage point of what they got in a commission every time I've looked these up. Every time. Now, I'm sure you have questions. We know you have questions because we get lots of them. Although our vocal questions have diminished. Matter of fact, in the last almost a week, we have gotten no called-in questions to 855-935-TALK, and we've received no verbal questions at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. However, you all do continue to love to type your questions, and so today, it's written question day. And we're going to do, let's see, shall we do three? Let's do three today. The first one has a subject as follows. Expense ratio. Can you please explain how an investor can see the amount of expense ratio that is being paid? For example, VTSAX is 0.04%. Do those basic points translate to a fee that is taken monthly, yearly, 
Why doesn't Vanguard show the fee paid per year based on account balance? I know it's paid, but I never see how or when. I hope this question makes sense. You guys rule. Love the podcast. The fees, the point four is how much they charge on your account per year. Those fees are just deducted from the net asset value. While I certainly haven't checked with all the mutual funds out there, most of them take it out on a daily basis. They take out a tiny fraction of that amount, whatever that value is on a daily basis, divided by 365 in essence. They take 0.04 and divide it by 365, which is a tiny, tiny, tiny little number. And they take that out of the net asset value, about the total value of the account. And they report that new value, less that amount. So what you see in terms of the daily fluctuation in the price, that is after the fee is removed. So that's how you see it, but it is not separately accounted for in any mutual fund, ETF or otherwise. The only fees that are separately accounted for for are transaction fees, commissions, and advisory fees, like those you pay to an investment advisor. And you see those taken out of your account with most investment advisors on a quarterly basis. So uh, mutual fund fees, you just don't see. What the returns you see are net of fees. Call anytime with your questions, 2855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And also send your questions in at talkingrealmoney.com on the contact page. All right. Now we'll take another written question. The subject is brokerage firm insurance. Let me move it over here so I can see it better. I would like to know if there is a risk to having all of your money in one brokerage firm, such as Edward Jones. What would happen if the firm went bankrupt? Is your money still in the mutual funds that they are invested in? Do these firms have any insurance that is similar to FDIC? Well, um, <laughs> I'll start with a smart alecky crack first. Is there a risk to having all your money in one brokerage firm, such as Edward Jones? The risk to having all your money in a firm like Edward Jones is the high commissions, the high fees. That's the risk. If Edward Jones went bankrupt, your money, which is probably nine times out of 10 in the American funds, is still in the American funds. They can't touch it. It is totally segregated. And yes, there is insurance on mutual funds. There is insurance on brokerage firms. If you had cash, for example, at Edward Jones, they went bankrupt and they ran off with it, which they wouldn't do. You would have F or SIPC, the Securities Investors Protection Corporation insurance kick in. Now, there's government insurance like SIPC, and then over and above that, a lot of firms have additional private insurance from places like Lloyd's of London. But I'm trying to think of a case. I can't think of a case when a publicly traded mutual fund didn't pay their investors back. It just doesn't happen. Yes, there have been people like Bernie Madoff who took custody of your money and ran off with it. But uh, no, a brokerage firm or a mutual fund doing it, I don't believe it's ever happened, and I doubt it ever, ever will. 
I think there are better things to worry about. I would that would be that would not be one. Although I would worry about paying too much in commissions. That is a legitimate concern because when you pay five and three quarters percent up front for a mutual fund like you do with the American funds, then that is money you just lost. It's gone. Well, it went to the broker, but you don't have it anymore. And then your annual fees are higher on these commission funds. It's not like you're getting a break. You put five and three quarter percent in, and then they only charge you like one one hundredth of one percent. No, they charge you more than a good no-load firm like Vanguard charges on an annual basis. So you're not getting anything out of this deal. There's no free lunch, really. There isn't. Although I'm <laughs> funny, funny, just a little aside. On my dining room table are two envelopes. The first I have seen since February that are inviting me to free steak dinners. And I can tell by the pitches that the equity annuity salespeople are feeling hungry because it's one of them's at Morton's. It's a nice, I think it was dinner. Probably was. Who's going? Uh, am I going to go? Not a chance. I think I'm going out to a restaurant to get pitched something with COVID. Otherwise I might though, because they're fun. Because I love to bug them with questions like, oh, excuse me, sir. Uh, how much do you get paid? Oh, no, we don't get paid anything. The company pays us. Psst. Big fat lie, big fat lie, big fat lie. All right, let's do the last one for today's podcast. Topic is TIAA, Mutual Fund Options for New Grad First Starting Job. And that's basically the message, too. It gives me a link to the funds that are available. Now, um, TIA. You know, there was a time when TIA funds, TIA craft funds, were pretty inexpensive. But since they've come up with their new retail line, I don't know how new it is, but I got to tell you, their retail line is no deal. No deal at all. I mean, here's an equity fund, an emerging markets equity fund that charges one and a quarter percent per year. Uh, their growth and income fund which is sort of just a dividend fund, it's seven-tenths of a percent. That's pretty high. Their equity index fund, which is probably one of the two funds I would consider for a recent grad, somebody who uh, can take a lot of risk. Although, make sure your grad goes to TalkingRealMoney.com and takes the risk quiz to make sure they're comfortable 100% in equities, but I would hope they are. I really would hope they are. I would probably put about half of that money half to 60%, but half's easier, in the Tia Cref Equity Index Fund. The symbol is T-I-N-R-X. It's a third of a percent a year, which is still a lot more than Vanguard charges, but it's not terrible. It's not good, but it's not terrible. Their International Equity Fund, though, T-I-E-R-X, T-I-E-R-X, that's pretty terrible at over eight-tenths of a percent a year. But again, you don't get a lot of choice. If all you have are the TIA funds, they just get more expensive from there. Their International Opportunities Fund, which looks like it's actively managed, that's over 1%. Even their bond funds, even their bond funds, they have a laddered bond fund at six-tenths of a percent. A bond index fund at four-tenths of a percent. Tia, Tia, Tia. You guys are doing really, really, really well on your fees because they're high. 
and I thought they were supposed to be a nonprofit like Vanguard. Well, somebody's making some money. So, yeah, that's probably what I would do. Uh, Those two funds split in half. But go take the risk quiz at TalkingRealMoney.com. And if you need help building a 401k portfolio or 403b, you are trying to get started on a retirement plan, you got a lot of, you got the hodgepodge stuff. You know the hodgepodge stuff. You have accounts at like three or four or five brokerage firms and a couple of mutual fund companies, and you get all these statements every quarter, and you go, I don't even want to look. It's so frustrating. And you go to your brokerage thing, and it's like stock, 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 mutual fund. I don't know what that is. Stock, 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 mutual fund. Um, you have a hodgepodge. You have a, a, it's a, it's a, it's a known disease, hodgepodgeitis, but it can be cured. Just uh, sit down with one of our advisors. We're not going to charge anything for a meeting. We're not going to push you to do anything. No high-pressure sales pitch. No obligation. We do truly believe in helping everybody get off on the right foot because the world is going to be better off if everybody becomes better investors. And, you know, there's a little bit of selfishness in, in, in the process because we've found that when we help people for free, they tend to recommend us to their friends who really need the long-term help. So you want some help? It's easy. You just set up an appointment. You actually can just set up an appointment at Vestory.com. You pick a date, you pick a time, and we will find an advisor to meet with you. See, so you don't have to go, oh, I can't get in until, you know, November. No, you we'll take care of it. We'll get you. So go to vestry.com, scroll down. And if you want to listen to all the podcasts, if you want a lot of other information, go to talkingrealmoney.com. And for lots of great written material, our blog is at realinvestingjournal.com. 401411.com has 401k allocation suggestions. Oh, gosh, we've got so much stuff to share with you. So there you have it. Thanks for being a part of the podcast. Again, spread the word. Tell your friends. The more the merrier. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a family registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?